and welcome to another episode of Fool's Daily. I'm joined by Matt. Hello. And a special guest from Wales. He's like from abroad and everything. He is. It's only the lovely Dom. Yeah, you have to pay to come into this country. Or is it pay to leave it? I can, I can never no, remember. No, it's paid it's pay to come in. Uh... Because uh, because Wales it's it's the land of song. It gave us the go compare man. Our flag has a dragon on it. It's pretty it's pretty dire other than the flag to be fair. But you made up most of the li- cool. you made up most of the lions. Yeah. Did, did, we, did we we have lions in Wales? No, I don't, no, I don't have, follow sport. We have we have lions in in Britain and uh-huh. most most of the Welsh rugby team. You know from who play just down the road from you. <laughs> Um, we're in the Lions team, and it's their fault that we didn't win the series. Yeah. Not the Eng- not the English players. No, because the English players were all man of the match every episode, every match. And, and some of the key to, English players couldn't get in the couldn't get in the squad because we decided to play a retiree second row Welsh person. Not that we're well, better. On behalf of all the Welsh people. I, I apologise, <laughs> having had no idea of the makeup of the Lions team before this conversation. Excellent. Right, but we haven't got Dom to talk, on, talk about Welsh rugby. Thank goodness. We haven't got Dom on to talk about gaming, though we should get Dom on to talk about. We should get Dom to talk on about gaming. Talk about um, the Bushido. Super, no, not Bushido. And <laughs> um, to talk about the superheroes games. Yes, because yes. um, we don't. For, weirdly, we don't play them. No, that's that is a bit strange, given uh, our love of superhero. I, th- I think we, we type to be stuff honest, I think and Mar- toy soldiers. Yeah, if the Marvel one had continued, I think we would have done. Yeah, considering that the license that knights have is now purely for DC, and the prices have gone up recently, I wouldn't put it against anyone for not playing the game. I dropped a considerable sum of money on the Suicide Squad box set, but I have been able to sell about half of it off. So I'm basically basically back, back, back in, in positive money. But um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're not very cheap anymore. Like the Grod box set, when that drops, is probably going to be probably about as much as a Games Workshop starter box used to be way back when. Oh. So... <laughs> So we should, anyway, yeah. we should we should get on to that, but we're not going to talk. We're not talking about gaming at all today. No, we are talking about um, superhero movies, specifically Spider Man, and we are forbidden from talking about Guardians of the Galaxy two, and that includes Matt is not allowed to talk about it, aren't you, Matt? Yes. So, I'm not allowed to mention how poor it was. No, you're not allowed to say, <laughs> and Dom doesn't have to defend himself for having the wrong opinion. Well, no. No. Dom doesn't have to defend Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because that would be like defending Donald Trump. It's an impossible task. We're not talking, <laughs> well, we're you're not, wrong. We're not talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 2. We're talk- and, and we're also not going to talk about Ant-Man because I know Dom loves that as well. I do. <laughs> Well, it's better than Guardians of the Galaxy 2. <laughs> I have a really bad track record, don't I, apparently? <laughs> well, no, just, you just disagree with us. But I do believe we are all in agreement on today's movie. Mm. Um, so we are talking Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, we are 
going to spoil the hell out of it. So if you haven't seen it, A, go and see it. You know, big spoiler. It's really, really good. Um, but we are going to spoil the hell out of uh, Spider-Man. But we're, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about Homecoming and probably talk about hopefully where well, we think they're going the to go. Of Aunt May. We know. Well, I know that you like Aunt May. I knew he was going to say that. Like I, I knew coming on that, that like Spoon would be lustering over uh, um, what's her name, Marissa Tomei. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah. yeah, I had to sit next to him in the cinema, and every time she was on screen, he was on the edge of his seat as if he was going <laughs> to leap, leap into the screen. I'd like to leap into Marissa Tomei. Right. So we're we're talking we're talking Spider Man. Yes. Um, third reboot of Spider Man in I want to say fifteen odd years. Um, yes, mm. I so, mean Amazing Spider-Man, which was the uh, first reboot. I mean that was only got to be about four years or so ago, and that was purely because of how the licenses are working for the superhero properties. Because Marvel, before they had the studio, before they had Iron Man, was basically handing out all their properties willy-nilly. So that's why you have Fox with X-Men and Fantastic Four, um, and basically those licenses at that point are kind of coming up to the end, which is why we had the new X-Men license. That's why we had the new uh, Spider-Man movie because they didn't want to give them up. It's also how Marvel got um, things like the Punisher and Ghost Rider and Daredevil back, which within themselves have been pretty good yeah. reinventions. Like I'm like um, John Bernthal is the Punisher. He is great. And I've never cared about the Punisher before until uh, he showed up in, in Daredevil. Yes, he was, the, he was the bright spot of that second Daredevil series, I think. Yeah, season two was just not as good as no. as, as season one. No, nowhere near. No. All right. So, quick before we, before we go on to Spider Man, quick thing. Where? Do, how do you rank them so far, Dom? We're talking. We're obviously we're talking the um, stuff on Netflix. Oh, the Netflix stuff. Okay, right. So we have four. We have four series. We have uh, both. Dare, well, five actually. We have both Daredevils, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. Now, for me, Iron Fist is very clearly at the bottom. Um, I think the show was quite dry. It was probably the only season without like a compelling villain or adversary, really. Um, and I found, and I'm normally a fan of uh, Danny Rand in the comics. I just found him to be kind of, kind of not really there. Um, it, so that's it, probably it, my it, least favourite. Yeah, I, see, I would, I would agree on that. It, and it makes such a sharp left turn halfway through the series. Hmm. Um, Whilst you've got that, but it it has bright spots. Madame Gao is awesome. Yes, <laughs> I would just um, like a Madame Gao series. And I think that Danny will come into his own when he's with the Defenders. Part of the charm with uh, Iron Fist is when he's buddying up with Luke because they're kind of they're, they're, they're so chalk and cheese, and yet they work so nicely together. Like yeah. the most recent Power Man and Iron Fist comic was absolutely fantastic because you had Luke trying to raise his kids. Um, Jessica told him not to swear, so he was saying things like fiddle-faddle all the time. And you had Danny just being like, this, this, really, nice, this really nice rich uncle. Um, oh, what, what about the other ones? I think then I would probably put Daredevil Season 2 because I think it's not very consistent, but it definitely peaks up in the first part of the series where you have Punisher. Yeah. And I think the... Spoilers. The around episodes nine and ten, I um Vincent D'Onofrio comes back as Kingpin, and like he is whenever he's on screen, he is amazing. But yeah. like kind mm-hmm. of the, the troths of the show are awful. Like Electra was extremely annoying. Yeah, and and 
I don't get on with stick either. I don't know I why, see that. but uh, yeah. But so okay, so far, right, I'm in agreement with you so far. Okay, um, then I would probably put Jessica Jones, Ooh. which I think was fine. Um, I felt like it went. Um, it's got the same curse that a lot of the Netflix shows have, where it went on a bit too long. They all run at 13 episodes. I think Jessica Jones would have been fine at about eight or nine, like they're doing with Defenders. But David Tennant was absolutely terrifying. The first scene he shows up in at the end of episode two, where it's all shot from behind him, he's utterly terrifying. I thought so, he was great. So he, when Dom and I had a conversation on Twitter, and again, this, this is spoilers for later, when we were talking about um, Michael Keaton's character in Spider-Man. Um, no, it wasn't Twitter, it was Facebook, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. w- whether he's like the first proper fleshed out um, villain it's in the mo- you know in the movie universe and i agree i agree with Dom. i think he i think he probably is but the put him and the purple man together and i think purple man comes out on top yes and i think that's because the netflix shows and this goes i think for kingpin and all the villains in luke cage as well they have that time to flesh out mm. the villains and i think we get a really fleshed out villain in the vulture because they're not spending the 2 hour runtime retelling spider-man origin story again so you yeah. can put all of that legwork into developing the vulture i think they they mention the spider bite once and they don't even really touch on uncle ben they they, they mention that um aunt may's gone through a lot of uh, gone through a lot yeah. of harsh times but that's more or less about it so all the development time is stacked on um adrian tombs instead yes i agree no yeah they yeah there is just one mention of the spider bite when he's telling his mm-hmm. mate and his mate goes can i be bought but can i can i be bitten by a spider <laughs> So, okay, all right, so now you've got top two. Are you putting Daredevil or are you putting Luke Cage at number one? Um, number one would be Daredevil. I think um, all 13 episodes are just incredibly strong. I think it's almost like a TV version of The Dark Knight where I think you get someone who doesn't like superheroes, put them in front of the first season of Daredevil, and you have so many like compelling character arcs. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio is so good. I think mm. anybody could watch it, but Luke Cage is very close. Um, I think what doesn't quite do it for Luke Cage for me, again, I think it sags a little bit in the middle, but it's got kind of everything right. It's got the comic book silliness. It's got it's very timely at the current moment in time. And the guy that plays Luke, he's just that well, in fact, the whole show's just got this wonderful charisma to it. Um, and, and, and I love I love the music in it, too. Like like the aesthetics of the Luke Cage show re- really work for me. But again, it kind of wobbles a little bit in the middle, but it's not that far behind Daredevil season one. Yeah, see, I have a hard time splitting the t- the, those three. I mean, if mm. I had to, if I had to, I put Jessica at one because it was the one that was my, that's certainly my favorite, but it's, you know, it's a Nat's whisker ahead, exactly. of, da- ahead of Daredevil and Luke. And I couldn't split Daredevil and Luke for me. Mm. And I think I'm really, really hyped for defenders. I'm going on holiday the day it comes out. Oh no! Oh no, no! So I'm just taking my tablet with me, and that's me. Cause oh, I'm, fine. Because I'm I'm flying I'm flying, and I suffer horrendously from jet lag. Whereas where I'll wake up at like one in the morning, where I'm because okay. I'm in the states, I'll wake up at one in the morning, and that's it. I should just watch Defenders. Nice. <laughs> but, but yeah, that show's going to be eight episodes long. I think that's the right length. I'm really excited for Scorny Weaver. I think. Um, It'll actually give Iron Fist an opportunity to work within the team, within kind of something that works a bit better than his own series. Um, yeah, and I'm hoping 
that much like how the Avengers have Hulk as kind of the wild wild card, when the defenders are all about to lose, like halfway through the final episode, like Frank Castle just turns up and miniguns down a whole load of people. <laughs> that would be sweet. He's get they they are doing a Punisher show, aren't they? Yes, yeah, like this year. The three shows this year were Iron Fist, um, Defenders, and Punisher. I mean, there's other shows as well. Like we have New Warriors, Cloak and Dagger this year, but they're not Netflix. They are other. Oh, that's, that's ABC. It's ABC, isn't it? Riding off the back of um, Shield, I think. Yes. Oh, oh, and in humans is this year, of course. That looks garbage. Still going to watch it, but it looks utter garbage. What was the other one that I saw that they just started filming? Oh, well, they just started filming New Mutants. Fox just started filming New Mutants, didn't they? Yes, yes. New Mutants is new. Uh, De- Deadpool two has recently started being filmed. Um, Josh Brolin looks small as all hell in that. Yeah, that's he's, he's, he's good. It's casting. such a good cable. Oh yeah, yeah. It's good um, in that. And speaking of Josh Brolin, apparently they're going to have Thanos as the main character for Infinity War, which I which I think works because rather than having to kind of bounce all the time between these fifty odd different characters you're going to have for all the other different movies, I think having your villain as the as kind of the main character, it's it's an interesting way to take it. And well, I'll, I'll watch. Josh Brolin's like Mount Keats to me. I'll watch those two in absolutely anything. I love Josh Brolin. And regardless of what they do, it will make them boatloads of money. Of course, <laughs> of course. All right, so let's move on. To, let's move on to Spider-Man. Um, mm-hmm. Introduced in Civil War, um, one of the highlights of Civil War, I think, for me. Um, certainly made the airport battle worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, Him and Black Panther were the two selling selling points. That yeah, I mean, me. you know, people who mm. listen to this show know that I hate superhero and superhero fighting. Um, so, but Spider Man defused a massive amount of that when he's just like hero worshiping at the same time. Um, Did anybody remember that really old movie, the one with the walkers? God, I hate that line. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right for you. You're young. For, oh, us, yeah, yeah. for us old people who went to see it in the cinema when it first came out. <sighs> I am young, yes. Incredibly young. You're not, uh, as, young, you're not as young as you once were. No, I'm not. It's kind of how time works. <laughs> well, yeah, sort of. <laughs> um, and so the movie starts six months after Civil War. Six months? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Well, sort of. It kind, of, kind of. it kind of jumps around in the start because it starts with um, oh, yes. the Vulture's pickup crew cleaning up after the Battle of New York, which yes, I right. thought was like it's it's very indicative of the whole movie. It, it very well, not certainly, but very well kind of meshes in with the with the rest of the Marvel universe, and it had Damage Control in it, which is like one of my favorite team comics from Marvel. Like yeah. seeing Damage Control was uh, was exciting. It was yes, it, no, that was very cool that you don't get um, Spider Man straight away that you get. Um, Back, you get backstory for the bad guy. I know, <laughs> and and reasoning. And you're right; it did. It was. I think one of the big successes of it is that it fits in the MCU, but it's not playing. It's not necessarily an MCU movie. It sort of stands aside, but is also completely enmeshed in it. Given the fact it's in New York and everything that's gone down. I think that's one of the mm-hmm. things that gives it a big success. But yeah, so you see the you see Vulture um becoming Vulture and why he becomes Vulture. And then you're six months after Civil War, um and Spidey is just desperate to be an Avenger. 
the whole video diary thing I thought was superbly done of of you know his little recorded on the mobile phone kind of thing of his interaction with the Avengers during Civil War. Um, and then it kind of built up the excitement and then you could kind of really feel that deflation and the angst of happens now. Why am I not being called up? Why am I not getting missions? And the, the interplay between him um, and Happy um, through that kind of first quarter of the film I thought was really cool. Having Happy reintroduced as well was absolutely awesome. Um, really liked that. Yeah. Dom, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, still oh. present. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, you, you, yeah, are unusually yeah quiet. you are unusually quiet, Dom. I've... Well, well, as a radio professional, I am merely waiting for, 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 for my time to speak. I don't want to, you know, speak over Spooner. <laughs> Screw professionalism. We all talk. Talk over each other here, um, and we just try not to swear. That's as professional as it gets. <laughs> um, so yeah, so and then so then we get an introduction. We don't get an we don't get an origin, which was brilliant. Thankfully, we know it. Everybody knows the Spider-Man origin story. We really don't need to see it again. It's like with Batman versus Superman. We ultimately didn't need the whole Martha stick again because. Well, probably next Spider-Man, Batman is probably the one character we've seen the origin story of the most times yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. In, in, in modern cinema. And we flat out just don't need it again because, well, again, everyone knows it, that they've almost, that the origin story is almost passed into like some type of cultural icon type of thing. Like you go to, you know, go to any kid, they'll know Batman's origin story. They'll know Spider-Man's origin story. So why bother sticking it in a movie? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and sp- the other thing I really liked about the beginning is Spidey is at school, and he yes. looks—he looks like he should be at school. Yeah, it's the first time they've properly done—they've properly done that in the movies because in the first, well, in the I think in the second one he was just going out of school, and yeah. in the uh, Tobey Maguire one, I don't believe he was in school at all. But it's. I mean, it means you don't get certain characters like J. Jonah Jameson isn't in this movie. That's probably for the best because no one's going to beat J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson no. at all. No, but you do get a reworked Flash, mm-hmm. um, which I quite like. Which I quite liked, um, and you get hints of characters that might or might not mean things. I really liked. Um, the fact that the completely uninterested girl on the school news channel was Betty Bryant. Mm-hmm. Who ends up being uh, J. Jonah Jameson's secretary. They also, later on in the movie, they have a character. Um, I can't remember the name of the character, but it was played by Donald Glover. And he ends up becoming a character in the comics called Prowler, who is the um, uncle of Miles Morales, who is the second Spider-Man. And that is the um, young nephew that he talks about when he meets Spidey later on. So yeah, he's the... I don't think, yeah, we're not going to get Miles, obviously, but lay, laying the groundwork for it was neat. Yes, it was a nice, that was a nice touch, especially if you know your comic books. And because there was a lot of rumours at the beginning that this was go- it was going to be a non-Peter Parker Spider-Man. Be- you know, before they started making Homecoming, before they cast That's the right. thing, it was, there was a lot of discussion about you know, online that they were going to do that whole Miles Morales story. They are still doing it as the animated movie. 
Um, yeah, they're doing uh, Sony are doing an animated movie coming up, and it's got um, Martial Art Alley, who was in Moonlight. He was the first villain in Luke Cage as well as uh, as another character uh, too. So they are doing Miles, but purely uh, as an animated thing at this point. I don't read comics, so I don't know what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) All right. So the drug dealer guy that Spidey webs to the car. Yeah, I've I've read um, online of all the... the, um, Denner Geek did the 13 Easter eggs that you will not have seen. Unless you're a Or you will have seen if you've seen Spider-Man. So I I read them, and I'm like, what though? What now? So the only bits that I picked up are kind of the stuff the really entrenched um, canon for Spider-Man. So picking up on MJ um, being the kind of the rebel girl who is then introduces MJ at the end, but isn't Mary Jane What's-her-face. Um, Watson. But whatever. doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> but to me... I. As a non-comic book person, I still appreciated those little nods to those people that are invested in kind of the Marvel legend, I guess, that is around all of that comic book canon and stuff like that, in that they acknowledged the existence, even if it wasn't exactly the same as it's played out in in the literary, literary canon of Spider-Man and the Avengers. Yeah. All right, so let's quickly whiz through what happens. Um there are high tech robbery there are high tech robberies going on um and high tech weaponry is being sold to criminals spider-man foils a robbery um chases down the weapons um has multiple uh, scrapes with the vulture um one where the vulture tries to kill him and iron man saves him but it's not iron man it's just a suit that um tony stark is flying remotely from india uh Various things happen. There's an absolutely awesome scene on um, the Staten Island Ferry, um, which was probably my favourite part of the movie. Uh, there's more action at the Washington Memorial, um, where Spidey saves the day, but doesn't go to the mathlete thing that he's supposed to be going to. Um, Spidey gets a cool Iron Spider suit. And then, worryingly, his mate can de- disable all the encryption that Tony Stark has put on it. I thought that. I was like, hang on a sec. Surely Tony <laughs> should be... Hi- <laughs> yes, surely Tony should be hiring this guy. <laughs> well, you know, people often just have password as the password for things. So I reckon he hadn't reset from the default, and it was just like admin password. Uh, and that's how he very easily did it. Or it was like zero 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 zero. Um, so Spider-Man has effectively an Iron Spider suit that gives him loads of things. It gives him taser webs and stuff that he can't actually use. Mm-hmm. Um, Extreme interrogation mode, which was just brilliant. <laughs> yes, basically gave him a scary voice, <laughs> which didn't scare anybody. No. Uh, <laughs> But like the suit's also got like other nods to the comics in it. So there's um, he get he gets like little spider wing things there from the comics. Yeah. There's a 
uh, kill mode where his eyes go black and then there's small red dots. I think that may have, it may have just been coincidence, but looked very similar to the suit that Doc Ock had from the comics when he was Spider-Man. So it weaves other things in as well. Um, loads of good gags as well because he has to hack into the suit to get those, and he has to break what's called um, oh, what is it? The, the training wheels. Training wheels, wheels. protocols. Yes. Yeah. And um, the sp- suit speaks to him, the same as um, Iron Man's suit speaks to him. Uh, so he has to give it a name. And he calls it Karen. Is it Karen? Am That's I remembering right? right? Yeah. Um, and quite a lot of the humor. There's quite a lot of humor there. I should point out, this is a really funny movie. Um, it easily passed the Wittertainment Six Laugh Test in the first five minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but... Um, just as a, an aside to Karen, uh, one of the things on Den of Geek is Karen is voiced by Jennifer Connolly, who is the wife of Paul Bettany, who is the voice of Jarvis. And your future wife. And my future wife. <laughs> Wait, what? he's marrying Paul Bettany? <laughs> if, I'll be using him to get to Jennifer, if I'm honest. But I would give Paul Bettany a go if I could then have a go on Jennifer Connolly. <laughs> That seems legit. And then once you know Jennifer Connolly and Paul Bettany, you're only one step away from Scarlet. And yeah, you know what? Then and then it's it's fate. <laughs> fate will finally play the hand it is due to, and I will become Mister Johansson. And your actual fiance? What are her views on this? Uh, it's not something we've particularly discussed <laughs> in depth. However, after her whole. Um, going to the Rick Astley concert and telling her best friend that if Rick gave her the glad eye, she would very quickly take the engagement ring off. I feel I've got a little bit of latitude. Um, so uh, Iron Man takes away the super the super spider suit. Um, so Spider Man is back in his pajamas, basically. Mm-hmm. Um. And then you get to the the final confrontation. And meanwhile, there's this whole side story side story playing of Pete and um, one of the girls on the mathlete team that he likes, who's a senior, and Pete's only a, a junior. Sophomore. Oh, is he a sophomore? Is he? Yeah. Um, and he eventually asks her out for a date, and he keeps standing her up. And um, then they go to the dance together. And uh, he has to go in and pick up, pick her up, and you get a reveal. Now, honest, honest question: Did you get who the re- the reveal, Dom? No, I didn't. I remember seeing that scene in the cinema and being on tender hooks for about the next ten minutes or so. All right, same, same for us. I yeah, think we did not. So, huge spoiler: the vulture is girl that peter's dating's dad and there is an amazing scene where uh tombs is driving them to the dance and then he works out from the things that are going on that pete is spider-man and then interrogates pete in the back of the car and is full-on scary <laughs> Yeah. It's it, and it's it's just all down to what Michael Keaton does in the face. He's utterly terrifying, and yeah. like he's probably the smartest villain in superhero movies because he doesn't need any type of like 
magical or technological doohickey to figure it out. He just works it out. Yeah, he just, yeah. He's literally, they're driving on, and he's going, wait a minute. <laughs> it's almost entirely played out. That whole, it, that whole cognitive sequence where he puts it all together, none of it is vocalised. It's played over the, in effect, the silence in the gaps between conversation and nearly wholly played out just in Michael Keaton's eyes. And it is absolutely brilliantly done. I mean, he is absolutely superb. I mean, in the whole film and generally anyway, but that scene um, where you can just see that thought process as he, as he puts the voice to the facts, to the name, to where he was, asks the few questions, and then there's the long pause. I just thought it was absolutely superb. Yeah. It was the, abs- man's been, the man's been on a roll since Birdman came out, which is, of course, why he's now playing the vulture. You get a really nice meta gag. But he was also brilliant in The, the Founder that came out earlier this year, which was a movie about how Ray Kroc, the guy who set up McDonald's, stole the idea off of a bunch of brothers. Like, he's great in that. All right, I haven't seen um, that. I haven't seen yeah, that. But, like, oh, so good. So good, but no, I mean he is he is brilliant. There were a couple of I said this to Matt when we came out. There were a couple of places where I felt he slipped too much into a Beetlejuice type persona, um, but they were very very brief and they didn't really affect his whole thing. Mm. Um, but he was he was outstandingly good. Um, but once he works it out, it out that Peter is Spider-Man and there's the whole I'm going to kill all your family type threats. You get to the bit of the movie that was the weakest part of the movie for me, which was the last, the final battle. Because... Yeah. The fight on the plane. Yeah. Because, I mean, literally it, on the plane. Yeah. And the reason was it had... It was all very fast cuts, shot at night, and it frankly looked like a Transformers movie. It almost smacked of a DC fight scene, and that was it. Was that it? Let I was disappointed in that that you it was it degenerated again into you've got this massive thing. You've got this intellectual villain. You've got um, kid Spider Man who's struggling to be you know a hero, but also struggling with the fact that the guy that he is about to fight is the dad of the girl that is his first true love. And then you get a Transformers type fight with you know quick cuts and ah oh, no. But I but I think I think that's ultimately like as much as we and I think Wonder Woman's a little bit like this towards the end as well. As much as we want the non-fighty kind of end scene, we we, we want kind of the cerebral, the thoughtful end fight scene. I don't think we. I, I think you'd be very pushing a superhero movie not to have that cathartic punch up at the end. I don't, I don't think anyone in the genre is quite willing enough yet to go, do you know what? We'll do what makes sense. Uh, take an example of Wonder Woman of just her realising, oh, do you know what? Humans are just scum and they will always fight. Or Spider-Man and Vulture just kind of like, you know, like like talking it out. I, I don't think it would happen. Yeah, no. I, don't think it, I don't think it's necessarily about the fight because I think they showed what you could do by not having to have it dark and quick cuts mm. and reverse angle switches and stuff like that, because the scene on the Staten Island ferry was, in effect, a big fight with big elements of jeopardy, hints of humour, but it was clear to see what was going on. You could understand, you know, the the 
almost the spatial element of who was where and what was happening. And I think in that last fight, for me, I had real difficulty kind of following who 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 was where and in relation to the plane and all of that kind of side of it. It just felt unnecessarily confused. Yeah, like Vulture seems to get from inside of the plane to outside of the plane again very quickly. Like, very quickly. Yeah. It's, yeah. It has, it has, it, for me, for me, it has issues. I mean, I'm not a fan of the Transformers movies, and oh yeah, no, they're garb. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it felt like to me. Um, just as, just as as you were saying, the cerebral thing, um, it reminded me again as we were talking about Jessica Jones earlier of Jessica and the fact that she just goes up behind him and snaps his neck. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, there is no, there is no big fight between Purple Man and Jessica. She just goes. Yes, I'm your slave. Gets up to him and goes snap, and that's it. He's done. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that. So I was slightly, dis- I was slightly disappointed in that. I mean, and at this point, my my logic brain was screaming. So Happy's transporting all this really important stuff, but he doesn't know when the plane's getting damaged. And I know that they hacked the transponder, but oh well. That's because Happy's a bit of a dumbass. So, yeah, but it was so nice to see him. <laughs> I know. Um. So yeah, so I mean, that was a movie. I mean, the fears that I had for it didn't come about because, despite the trailers and the posters and things, Iron Man it's Iron Man's in it next to no time. Yeah, it's definitely not uh, an Iron Man film with Spider Man in it. It is definitely a Spider-Man film with Iron Man in it. Yeah, and it's not an Iron Man Spider-Man buddy movie either. No, no, it just kind of pops, it kind of pops him and out him and the other Avenger that's in it. As a matter of fact, as well. Yes, the other Avenger, the other Avenger was very that was very funny. Um, so Captain America is doing public information films. I particularly like the one where they're going and he goes, this guy's probably a war criminal now. <laughs> but we yeah. have to show it because the state's held it. In a nice, in a nice, nice war. Oh, and the other big, big surprise at the end, which as an Iron Man fan, I was on the edge of my seat for, at the end where they're going to do the press conference. Um, and Pepper comes out. Loved it. Given that, yeah, that was that was pleasant because we had no indication of it happening. No, and because no. It was just because whole effect. civil war was, you know, Pepper and Pepper and Tony are on a break, and which is why Iron Man makes all of the wrong decisions and is completely wrong in his motivation during the entire film. No, that's wrong. Iron Man was totally in the right in that movie. Cap's in the right in the comics, but Iron Man is very much on the right side of the movie. Yeah, but you you like Guardians of the Galaxy too. You have no I opinion do. that counts on you this on this podcast. I'm going to re I'm I'm revising my opinion of Guardians of the Galaxy too now because Dom, <laughs> Dom obviously knows what he's talking about. Well, in, in Civil War, like I, I I the only reason I get Cap's point of view is because I'm aware of his stance from the comics. If you take it just off his movie logic, it's just that he wants to protect my Bucky. It's like oh my my, my Bucky, no Bucky. And it's no, like, it's not oh, at all. No, no. Matt will, Matt will have a brain hemorrhage. <laughs> I've got to find a brain first. Since we've just mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and not because I want Dom to defend it, but one of the criticisms that we had of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was 
for us, and we stand apart from the vast majority majority of people in that, it Guardians of the Galaxy 2 did not strike the balance between humour and peril particularly well. It played too much into the humour side. And I thought, and the, part of the concern I had with Spider-Man was, was that going to be the same? Was it going to be playing too much for laughs, given that character and the, the potential for all of the kind of teenage angst and masturbation jokes and the, the kind of... It could have slipped into a Spider-Man does American Pie pastiche, um, but it didn't do any of that. I, for me, it perfectly struck the balance between humour and jeopardy. I think a lot of that was due to Michael Keaton being a genuinely kind of threatening villain. And um, down to but, how he was designed as well. Like that, that suit is terrifying and, and it does threaten the movie become more and more like a vulture. Like he's got like the wings get bent, that he's got yeah. this wonderful jacket. Yes, no, that's nice. Is it's not a suit; it's a set of wings that he's wearing over, hmm. a, you know, over a flight jacket. Yeah, and I think Karen, the talking part of Spidey suit, came along just at the right time in the movie where his own kind of internal monologue and self-commenting could have become tiresome. Um, and then all of a sudden, you've got this extra dynamic in the fact he's got the suit to talk to, and and Karen provides providing almost uh, a, a foil for that monologue so that it didn't just become, you know, a whiny teenager voice throughout the whole film. So for me, it really did balance the, the comedic and the, the excitement elements really, really well. Yeah, no, it was, it, it, it was good. Um, so if you haven't guessed, we liked it a lot. Exactly. And I saw it for a second time last night as kind of a preemptive bit of research. And I think the, the proof with the Marvel movies is do they hold up a second time? Because I think it's very easy to go and see them the first time because everyone knows the characters and everyone knows what's going to happen. And they are so enjoyable first time around is to see if they stand up to the test second mm-hmm. time around. Because everyone's like, oh, the new one's out. This is the best one. This is the best one. This is the best one. Um, like, for example, Thor Dark World, I don't think stands up very well on, on repeat watchings. I think it's a perfect first watch, but that's it. Spider-Man, I still think there's plenty of there for multiple rewatches. Yeah, I haven't seen it again, but I am going to um, with Miss Marshall and um, the children. Um, we're going to go and see it probably next week. Uh, enjoy it. Have you seen it in 3D, Dom, or have you just seen it in 2 I've seen it both. Uh, the three D, the three D is fine. Um, I think I think the studios finally realised now that three D is actually kind of like a duff boat, so they're not going full hog into it. It's it's fine. There's some nice uh, like depth of field stuff in the Staten Island Staten Island ferry scene. But you don't really have anything kind of like jabbing out and trying to poke you in the eyes. I much prefer it in two because it is such a a bright and colourful movie, and having mm. a three D pair of three D glasses over your eyes and having like a a slidey thing over the lens of the camera would only serve to make things less bright. But yeah, it, it, it's passable. The only downside really is you have to spend more to see it in 3D, but there we are. Don't they let you in for, don't they know who you are, Don, and let you in for free? You would think so. Well, ultimately I didn't have to pay for my ticket. My uh, friend's partner paid for it. But <laughs> there we are. <laughs> Thanks, Caroline. <laughs> um, so it, so it's awesome. Where do you rank it, Dom? Ooh, right. Because I was doing, some, I was doing some thinking of this. Right. So, 
it's I was talking this over with a film reviewer mate of mine about how I think I generally prefer the more recent Marvel stuff as standalone movies compared to the more uh, to the earlier stuff. And that's not to say the earlier stuff is bad. Um, but I think I generally prefer the later stuff because all the early movies did all that legwork of setting everything up. We wouldn't have had the, these good movies happening now if it wasn't for the formative Iron Man, Thor, Captain America movies. Um, I think for me, it's definitely in the top ends. Uh, probably, I wouldn't say it's in my top MCU movies because that's kind of both Guardians movies, Ant-Man, Avengers and the first Captain America movie. But it's not too far off. It, I mean, for me, it, it, it serves the it passes the acid test of being a pretty good second watch, whereas I don't think some of them else are. But it's I mean, it's got the best it's got the best villain uh, and it's definitely up there even if it isn't necessarily within the top, like, four or five. Matt? Um, because you berated me on the way home from seeing it because of my choice of putting it in the top three and what it excluded, I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, I want to go and see it a second time, but I still would put it in my top three. But I... I like some of the darker stuff, and because um, my sort of key team cap status and all of that, I really still like Winter Soldier a lot. Uh. Um, so I did Dom just have some sort of crisis? <laughs> it's such a, it's a fine movie, but it's it's so that movie is so serious. I don't go to my Marvel movies for. You know, Christopher Nolan's aping super serious Captain America movies. It's fine, and the soundtrack's great, but I was so thankful for the first Guardians coming out a little bit after that because it was such a nice palate cleanser. I love having Dom on this show. (laughs) A, he really knows what he's talking about when he's talking about movies. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike me and Matt, who are just a couple of old people blethering on, Dom, like, knows stuff. This is awesome. Yeah, but that's fine because I am a self-confessed Nolan fanboy anyway. So perhaps you know, oh, you're an idiot. Oh, same, um, same. But that, I think that... they, I think Nolan has a time and a place. I, I, I don't much like him. Oh, he's Welsh. Yeah, I think Welsh. he's. I think he's brilliant. So and cl- clearly so, mistaken. So well, you... I mean, certainly top three for me. Um, but I, I'm in a state of flux of of what my top three are. But of the ones, and I'm and I and I do understand where Dom is coming from with the newer stuff seeming to not only build on what has gone before, but I wouldn't necessarily say reflecting on some of the feedback from fans. But it seems they seem to be solving a lot of the issues that emerge. Um, that have dissatisfied people as they go along and not making kind of the same. No, you, you know, I mean, no way critical of that creative process, but the things that other people, including us, have found unsatisfactory, there seems to be less and less of that. And if you, if you look, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, notwithstanding, which was a bag of dog poo, um, if you Long. look back over the recent films, um, you look at Strange and Spider Man. Um, I, I like Civil War because I'm I'm as happy watching superhero on superhero as I am watching girl on girl. For me, it works. Um, 
but I like that darker side of things. I like the the cynicism. There isn't a massive amount of cynicism in Spider Man outside of Toombs's kind of anger growing out of being the the small cog that gets crushed by the it, the industrial machine. But you've got Tony's disappointment in Peter. Yeah, but I, in fairness, after Civil War, I don't have a lot of truck in what Tony has to say because he is so clearly just a, a flawed human being uh, in making the wrong decisions. I mean, the man's a buffoon. <laughs> he get he gets dumped by his missus and just breaks everything. He just basically has a teenage hissy fit, which destroys the Avengers. The man's an idiot. Well, it doesn't destroy the Avengers because all Cap had to do was sign a piece of paper. And therefore compromise his own personal values and... And doing public information films doesn't compromise his own personal values. <laughs> Not at all. He's doing it for the greater good. Oh, you're such an idiot. But obviously the best team is Team Quill because the Guardians had nothing to do with that stupid little Earth fight and were off having fun space adventure. Just oh. <laughs> All right, so just just drop him out of the call or stuff, and the bloke's an idiot. <laughs> um, so, where do you rate it against Wonder Woman, which is our other big solo movie of the year? Ooh, um, I think it's because t- I was thinking about this. I think it's totally very tonally very different. I think Spider Man is more out and out enjoyable. Um, I ultimately don't think that, I mean, as, although as much as I enjoyed Wonder Woman, I don't think I was primarily the main audience of Wonder Woman, being a white Caucasian male. Um, but I think Wonder Woman is probably more important, whereas Spider-Man is more fun. So I think they both have their... Which would you choose to go and watch again? Oh, probably Spider-Man, I think. Yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the same boat. I would go and see... Sp- I love Wonder Woman. I think it's brilliant. Um... But if it was a choice between... If I was taking the children to see one of the two, then I would go and see Spider-Man again. But I think Wonder Woman is more iconic. Like I don't think there's a single scene in Spider-Man which stands up to how a long-lasting an impact the scene where Wonder Woman goes across No Man's Land will have. I agree. But like that is like that is like the scene of this year. That is like the yep. key scene. Yep. I don't, dis- I don't disagree. And it was really fun trying to look at the DC logo and figure out what superheroes are in it for the two seconds it was up on screen. <laughs> Loads of bad ones. Uh, yeah, Mo- Mogo was in there. Mogo was in there. <laughs> I have no idea about DC, so... It's okay. It's okay. It, I mean, both publishers have their own great stories. Um, I read both. <laughs> I quite like the Court of Owls stuff recently, so... Isn't it good? Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, I don't, and I don't uh, read, I don't read DC comics, but I did read, I did read some of that, and I quite liked it. Um, oh, shut up, Matthew! Shame so bad. <laughs> well, so I think, it, I think you know, it's a thumbs up from all of us. Yeah, basically. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what have we got next? We've got uh, Thor Ragnarok next. That's the next. MCU movie. I mean, the next movies I'll be seeing, I'll be seeing Planet of the Apes this weekend and Dunkirk um, the week after that. I'm going to see Planet of the Apes with Mrs. Marshall at some point. I might go tomorrow, actually. Um, uh, I won't be going to go and see Dunkirk. I am. Yeah, well, you will, because you're a Christopher Nolan fanboy. And it looks brilliant. Uh, yeah, I'm not. It's 
<laughs> it's guns and stuff. And you I know, don't do I know it's I, with guns, do you? I know, I know it's not guns and stuff, but you know, it's why I, I'm not a big fan of Band of Brothers and things like that as well. I mean, I know, You're an idiot. I, I know, no, I know. Technically, they're awesome. It, they just don't appeal to me. You know, I'm just not their audience. Hmm. Um. Oh, Mrs. Marshall's delivering my exciting post. Oh, boring. <laughs> the monkeys looks good. The monkeys do look good. I keep forgetting those monkeys movies exist. <laughs> like every time a new one comes up, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. And the other ones are really good too. Like, yeah. Andy Serkis deserves recognition for like everything he does, but those movies in particular, like he, I he is amazing. I do, I do wonder if this will be the year that they either he either gets an, an Oscar nod or they create a special achievement thing for him. I, I, I would suspect a special achievement thing is what will happen, given not only the apes but all the work that's been done through Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. You know, he has been at the forefront of all of that motion capture, not just from the the physicality of it, but the the characterization of it as well. Yeah, I could see a BAFTA fellowship type thing as well. Mm. Um, but speaking of awards, Michael Keaton, best supporting actor. It won't. It, super, won't, it for, won't happen. Not for a superhero movie. No, no, no. It I, won't happen. I, but I, from an acting performance. Why shouldn't uh, yeah. he? Should, why wouldn't he be considered? I mean, he won't get it, and it won't even get in the thing because exactly you're. You know, it is. Oh, it's a superhero movie. It's a summer blockbuster. Um, you see, I still think the superhero movie that will get a potential award nod will be Logan this year. For for two reasons: one, because Jackman's performance in Logan was brilliant, um, but also. I think there there will be a desire to acknowledge, you know, what he's played that character for what twenty years. Yeah. Um, so I think that there may be, uh, you know, not necessarily a guilt process, but a, a, a feeling of obligation to acknowledge, you know, playing a a single character by a single actor over a series of films over that period of time, and then to end it with the performance. In Logan, I just I think that there is a chance that it will get a nod. And I know we spoke about it previously about it came out at the wrong time, but by coming out when it did, which is really early into the awards year because it came out immediately after the last set of awards, but it avoids that. Oh, it's just a summer blockbuster film. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Look, lo- I, I recently rewatched Logan because it's uh, it's uh, out on home release now, and it's. I do love it, but it's such a curious movie because I don't think you couldn't have Logan without all the other actor movies before it. And save First Class, I think so many of those actor movies range from either bad to mediocre. Yeah. But then getting mm-hmm. Logan at the end is just like, do you know what? All, all, all of that, all of that garbage and mediocre, all those mediocre movies were, were totally worth it for this one perfect one. Have you watched the noir version, Dom? No. I watched. I I also rewatched it because it's on home release, and um, I watched it as the noir version. It's absolutely outstanding. The ch- the switch to black and white takes the movie up a notch, I think, because you just get it pervades. You get more of a gritty feel. 
Mm. And yeah. given that that whole movie is about a gritty feel, it just yeah. it's it just ramps up. Highly recommend watching it. On noir, it's very. I, I, I want I want to know what Fox has been doing since they've had that property all these years. Like they've put out so many mediocre things, and then within the space of a year, we get Deadpool, which was great, Legion, which was great, and Logan, which was great. I'm like, guy, like, like, what has suddenly happened? <laughs> Legion. You suddenly start making all these great stories. How good was Legion? I know! Audrey Plaza was amazing! Oh, it was an amazing film, amazing series. If you haven't watched Legion, um, it's been repeated. It's on, it's on Sky, it's on Fox, whatever Fox is. But they box set it. I've noticed that Sky box set it up, so um, you can just binge watch it. It's only eight episodes. It's absolutely brilliant. It's like as if Wes Anderson, who did uh, Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest Hotel, made a superhero uh, project. Yes, it, it, it is. It's so quirky. And um, oh, what was this? there was an American show, uh, Pushing Daisies. Yes. So was, that, was that it? That has the same, it has the same feel as that. It's very quirky, very offbeat. Um, non-linear storytelling, which I'm always a big fan of. Um, it's just excellent. And it doesn't explain itself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which which is, which you know, a lot of American TV series, it's where the second series of Peggy Carter fell down. Is it endless exposition? And this didn't have endless exposition. There are things that you just don't understand and you don't know that are hinted at. And if you know the comics and you know who Legion is, then you get extra little tweaks out of it. But if you don't know who Legion is, it doesn't matter. You still get these little hints. There's a little hint of, you know, there's a wheelchair with a big X on the wheel. And, you know, it's those little bits. I'm waving my arms because I really, really like the show. Oh, I'll give that a watch then, because I remember you talk about it the other day. You were saying you're watching the end of it, and I haven't seen it yet. So, if they box edit, I should be able to get that on my Sky Box thing. Yes, in you should. So I can sit and watch that whilst yeah. um, um, it's, painting. It's excellent. It's a, it's a, you know, as I say, it's only eight episodes. Really good investment of time. Cool. Right. Well, I suppose we've got to go. Um, That's an episode. It isn't it? Well, it's a lengthy episode. It's nearly an hour. Really? I haven't, I haven't been keeping counts. 54 Never minutes. mind the length. F- feel the width. <laughs> 50, over 54 minutes. Yeah, and I'm going to put this episode out this afternoon. So, Crikey. Oh, you, you, there's no editing involved. I mean, it's top tail done. <laughs> um, Dom, you got anything you want to plug in or anything? Um, no, I'm not really doing anything anymore nowadays. Um, you can find me on Twitter at dumbunderbarluck89, I guess. And he's... What, look at me post memes. It'll be great. He's lovely. You should follow, you should follow Dom, because he is lovely. Um, Matthew, I shall speak to you anon. Yes, well, I'll see you tomorrow anyway. Yeah, and we're playing games. So A Dead Man's Hand, apparently. Yeah. Until next time, I've been Mike. I've been Spider-Man. I've been Mary Jane. Yes! <laughs> Score! Bye-bye. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter. We're at Fools Underbar Daily. Or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com. <laughs>